0: CD 4 Dangerous Bean sighed. One rat can be brave,
1: but a bunch of rats is just a mob, he said. Are you right, Morris? No, I was... Look, there was something back there, said Morris. It's in a cellar. I don't know what it was. It's the voice that gets into people's heads.
0: Not everyone, said Peaches. Peaches. It didn't frighten you, did it? Or us? Or Dark Tan? It made Ham and Pork very angry. Why?
1: Morris blinked. He could hear the voice in his head again. It was very faint, and it certainly wasn't his own thoughts, and it said,
0: I will find a way in, cat!
1: Did you hear that? he said.
0: I didn't hear anything,
1: said Peaches. Perhaps you have to be close, Morris thought. Perhaps if you've been close, it knows where your head lives. He'd never seen a rat so miserable as Dangerous Beans. The little rat was huddled by the candle, staring unseeing at Mr. Bunsey has an adventure. "'I hoped it would be better than this,' said Dangerous Beans. "'But it turns out we're just rats. As soon as there's trouble, we're just rats.'" It was very unusual for Morris to feel sympathetic to anyone who wasn't Morris. In a cat, that is a major character flaw. I must be ill, he thought. If it's any help, I'm just a cat, he said. Oh, but you are not. You are kind, and deep down I sense that you have a generous nature, said Dangerous Beans. Morris tried not to look at Peaches. Oh, boy, he thought. At least you ask people before you eat them, said Peaches. You'd better tell them, said Morris's thoughts. Go on, tell them. You'd feel better. Morris tried to tell his thoughts to shut up. What a time to get a conscience. What good was a cat with a conscience? A cat with a conscience was a... a hamster or something. Er uh, I've been meaning to talk to you about that, he muttered. Go on, tell them, said his shiny new conscience. Get it out in the open. Yes, said Peaches. Morris squirmed. Well, you know, I do always check my food these days. Yes, and it does you great credit, said Dangerous Beans. Now Morris felt even worse. Well, you know how we've always wondered how come I got changed even though I never ate any of that magical stuff on the dump? Yes, said Peaches.
0: That has always puzzled me.
1: Morris shifted uneasily. Well, you know, uh, did you ever know a rat? Quite big, one ear missing, bit of white fur on one side, couldn't run too fast because of a bad leg.
0: That sounds like additives,
1: said Peaches. Oh, yes, said Dangerous Beans. He disappeared before we met you, Morris. A good rat. He had a bit of a speech difficulty. Speech difficulty, said Morris gloomily.
0: He stammered,
1: said Peaches giving Morris a long, cool stare.
0: "'Couldn't get his words out but easily.'
1: "'Not very easily,' said Morris, his voice now quite hollow. "'But I'm sure you never met him, Morris,' said Dangerous Beans. "'I miss him. "'He was a wonderful rat once you got him talking.' Um, Did you meet
0: him, Morris?'
1: said Peaches, "'her stare nailing him to the wall.' Morris's face moved. It tried various expressions, one after another. Then he said, "'All right, I ate him, okay? All of him. Except for the tail and the green wobbly bit and that nasty purple lump. No one knows what it is. I was just a cat. I hadn't learned to think yet. I didn't know. I was hungry. Cats eat rats. That's how it goes. It wasn't my fault. And he'd been eating the magical stuff, and I ate him. So then I got changed, too.' know how that feels, seeing the green wobbly bit like that? It doesn't feel good. Sometimes on dark nights, I think I can hear him talking down there. All right. Satisfied? I didn't know he was anyone. I didn't know I was anyone. I ate him. He'd been eating the stuff on a dump, and I ate him, so that's how I got changed. I admit it. I ate him. It wasn't my fault. And then there was silence. After a while, Peaches said,
0: Yes, but that was a long time ago, wasn't it? What? You mean,
1: have I eaten anyone lately? No. Are you sorry for what you did? Said Dangerous Beans. Sorry? What do you think? Sometimes I have nightmares where I burp and he... Then that's probably all right, said the little rat. All right? said Morris. How can it be all right? And you know the worst part? "'I'm a cat. Cats don't go round feeling sorry or guilty. "'We never regret anything. "'Do you know what it feels like saying, "'Hello, food, can you talk? "'That's not how a cat is supposed to behave.' "'We don't act how rats are supposed to behave,' said Dangerous Beans. "'And then his face fell again. "'Up until now,' he sighed.
0: "'Everyone was frightened,' said Peaches. "'Fear spreads.'
1: "'I hoped we could be more than rats,' said Dangerous Beans. "'I thought we could be more than things that squeak and whittle, "'whatever and Pork says. "'And now where is everyone?'
0: "'Shall I read to you from Mr
1: Bunsey?' said Peaches, "'her voice full of concern.
0: "'You know that always cheers you up "'when you're in one of your dark times.'
1: "'There was a nod from Dangerous Beans. "'Peaches... "'pulled the huge book towards her and began to read.
0: "'One day, Mr Bunsey and his friend Ratty Rupert the Rat "'went to see old man Donkey who lived by the river.
1: "'Read a bit when they talk to the humans,' said Dangerous Beans. "'Peaches obediently turned a page.
0: "'Hello, Ratty Rupert,' said Farmer Fred. "'What a lovely day it is to be sure.'
1: This is mad, thought Morris, as he listened to a story about wild woods and fresh bubbling streams being read to one rat by another rat while they sat beside a drain along which ran something which certainly wasn't fresh, anything but fresh. To be fair, though, it was bubbling a bit, or at least glooping. Everything's going down the drain and they have this little picture in their heads about how nice things could be. Look at those little pink, sad eyes, said Morris's own thoughts in Morris's own head. Look at those little wobbly, wrinkly noses. If you ran out on them and left them here, how could you look those little wobbly noses in the face again? I wouldn't have to, said Morris out loud. That's the point. What? said Peaches, looking up from the book. Oh, uh, nothing. Morris paused. There was nothing for it. It went against everything a cat stood for. This is what thinking does for you, he thought. It gets you into trouble. Even when you know other people can think for themselves, you start thinking for them too. Of course, humans were useful. They could open doors and provide fish. He groaned. We'd better see what's happened to the kid, he said. It was completely black in this cellar. All there was, apart from the occasional drip of water, were voices. "'So,' said the voice of Melissia, "'let's go over it again, shall we? "'You don't have a knife of any kind.' "'That's right,' said Keith. "'Or some handy matches that could burn through the rope?' "'No.' "'And no sharp edge near you that you could rub the rope on?' "'No.' "'And you can't pull your legs through your arms "'so that you can get your hands in front of you?' "'No.' "'And you don't have any secret powers?' ''No.'' ''Are you sure? The moment I saw you, I thought, ''He's got some amazing power that will probably manifest itself when he's in dire trouble.'' ''I thought, no one could really be as useless as that unless it was a disguise.'' ''No, I'm sure. Look, I'm just a normal person. Yes, all right, I was abandoned as a baby. I don't know why. It was something that happened. They say it happens quite a lot. It doesn't make you special.'' I don't have any secret markings, as if I was some kind of sheep, "'and I don't think I'm a hero in disguise, "'and I don't have some kind of amazing talent that I'm aware of. "'Okay, I'm good at playing quite a few musical instruments. "'I practise a lot, but I'm the kind of person heroes aren't. "'I get by and I get along. I do my best. Understand?' "'Oh, you should have found someone else.' "'In effect, you can't be any help at all.' "'No.' There was silence for a while, and then Melissia said, You know, in many ways, I don't think this adventure has been properly organised. Oh, really, said Keith. This is not how people should be tied up. Melissia, do you understand this isn't a story, said Keith as patiently as he could. That's what I keep trying to tell you. Real life isn't a story. There isn't some kind of "'of magic that keeps you safe and makes crooks look the other way "'and not hit you too hard and tie you up next to a handy knife and not kill you. "'Do you understand?' "'There was some more dark silence. "'My granny and my great-aunt were very famous storytellers, you know,' "'said Melissa eventually, in a strained little voice. "'Agonista and a viscera grim.' "'You said,' said Keith, my mother would have been a good storyteller, too, but my father doesn't like stories. That's why I've changed my name to Grimm for professional purposes. Really? I used to get beaten when I was small for telling stories, Melissia went on. Beaten, said Keith. All right then, smacked," said Melissia, on the leg. But it did hurt. My father says you can't run a city on stories. He says you have to be practical. Oh. Aren't you interested in anything except music? He broke your pipe. I expect I'll buy another one. The calm voice infuriated Melissa. Well, I'll tell you something, she said. If you don't turn your life into a story, you just become part of someone else's story. And what if your story doesn't work? You keep changing it until you find one that does. Sounds silly. Ha! Look at you. "'You're just a face in someone else's background. "'You let a cat make all the decisions.' "'That's because Morris is,' a voice said. "'Would you like us to go away until you've stopped being human?' "'Morris,' said Keith, "'is that you? Where are you?' "'I'm in a drain, and believe me, this has not been a good night. "'Do you know how many old sellers there are here? "'Good job you two kept arguing,' said the voice of Morris in the blackness. "'Peaches is bringing a candle in. "'It's too dark even for me to see you.' Who's Peaches,' whispered Melissa. "'She's another changeling, a thinking rat,' said Keith. "'Like pilchards? "'Like sardines, yes.' "'Aha,' hissed Melissa. "'See, a story. "'I am schmug, I gloat. "'The plucky rats rescue our heroes "'probably by gnawing through the ropes.' "'Oh, we're back in your story, are we?' said Keith. "'And what am I in your story?' ''I know it's not going to be romantic interest,'' said Melissa. ''And you're not funny enough for comic relief, I don't know. Probably just someone, you know, like Man in Street, something like that.'' There were faint sounds in the darkness. ''What are they doing now?'' she whispered. ''Trying to light their candle, I think.'' ''Rats play with fire?'' Melissa hissed. ''They don't play?'' Dangerous Beans thinks lights and shadows are very important. They always have a candle alight somewhere in their tunnels wherever they... Dangerous Beans? What sort of name is that? Shh! They just learned words off old food tins and signs and things. They didn't know what the words meant. They just chose them because they liked the sounds. Yes, but Dangerous Beans? It sounds as if he makes you. It's his name. Don't make fun of it. ''Sorry, I'm sure,'' said Melissia. The match flared. The candle flame grew. Melissia looked down at two rats. One was, well, just a small rat, although sleeker than most of the ones she'd seen. In fact, most of the ones she'd seen had been dead, but even the living ones had always been twitchy, nervy, sniffing the air all the time. This one just watched. It stared right at her. The other rat was white and even smaller. It was also watching her, although peering was a better word. It had pink eyes. Melissa had never been very interested in other people's feelings, since she'd always considered that her own were a lot more interesting. But there was something sad and worrying about that rat. It was dragging a small book. Or at least, what would be a small book to a human, it was about half the size of a rat. The cover was quite colourful but Malicia couldn't make out what it was. Peaches and Dangerous Beans, said Keith. This is Malicia. Her father is the mayor here.
0: Hello, said Dangerous Beans. Mayor isn't that like government, said Peaches? Morris says governments are very dangerous criminals and steal money from people. How did you teach them to speak,
1: said Malicia? They taught themselves, said Keith. "'They're not trained animals, you know. Phil, my father does not steal from anyone. "'Who taught them that governments are very—' "'Excuse me, excuse me,' said Morris's voice hurriedly from the drain grate. "'That's right, I'm down here. Can we get on with things?' "'We'd like you to gnaw our ropes, please,' said Keith. "'I've got a bit of broken knife-blade,' said Peaches. "'It's for sharpening the pencil. Would that be better?' "'Knife?' said Belicia. Pencil? I did say they weren't ordinary rats, said Keith. Nourishing had to run to keep up with Dark Tan, and Dark Tan was running because he had to run to keep up with Sardines. When it came to moving fast across a town, Sardines was champion of the world. They picked up more rats on the way. Nourishing couldn't help noticing that these were mostly the younger ones, who'd fled because of the terror but hadn't gone far. They fell in behind dark tan readily, grateful to be doing something with a purpose. Sardines danced on ahead. He just couldn't help it. And he liked drainpipes, roofs and gutters. You got no dogs up there, he said, and not many cats. No cat could have followed sardines. The people of Bart Blintz had strung washing lines between the ancient houses and he leapt onto them, clinging upside down and moving as fast as he would on a flat surface. He went straight up walls, Plunged through thatch, tap-danced around smoking chimneys, slid down tiles. Pigeons erupted from their roosts as he sped past, the other rats trailing behind him. Clouds rolled across the moon. Sardines reached the edge of a roof and leapt, landing on a wall just below. He ran along the top and disappeared in the crack between two planks. Nourishing followed him into a kind of loft. Hay was piled in parts of it, but a larger part was simply open to the ground floor below and supported by several heavy beams that ran right across the building. Bright light shone up from below, and there was the buzz of human voices and, she shuddered, the barking of dogs. This is a big stables, boss, said Sardines. The pit's under the beam over there. Come on. They crept out on the ancient woodwork and peered over the edge. Far below was a wooden circle, like half a giant barrel. Nourishing realised that they were right over the pit. If she fell now, she'd land in the middle of it. "'Men were crowded around it. "'Dogs were tied up around the walls, barking at one another, "'and at the universe in general, in the mad "'I'm-going-to-do-this-forever way of all dogs. "'And off to one side was a stack of boxes and sacks. "'The sacks were moving. Kur-tuk. "'How the k- will we find ham and pork in this lot?' "'Dark Tan said, his eyes gleaming in the light from below. "'Well, with old ham and pork, boss, "'I reckon we'll know when he turns up,' said Sardines.' "'Could you drop into the pit on a string?' "'I'm game for anything, Gov,' said Sardines loyally.
0: "'Into
1: a pit with a dog in it, sir,' said Nourishing.
0: "'And
1: won't the string cut you in half?' "'Ah, I've got something that helps there, boss,' said Sardines. He took off his thick coil of string and put it aside. There was another coil under it, glistening and light brown. He pulled at a piece of it, and it snapped back with a faint twang. "'Bands of rubber!' "'He said, "'I pinched them off a desk "'when I was looking for more string. "'I've used them before, boss. "'Very handy for a long drop, boss.' "'Dark Tan looked back on the boards. "'There was an old candle lantern there "'lying on its side. "'The glass smashed, "'the candle eaten long ago. "'Good,' he said, "'because I'm getting an idea. "'If you can drop down.' "'There was a roar from below. "'The rats looked over the beam again. "'The circle of heads had thickened "'around the lip of the pit. "'A man was talking in a loud voice.' "'Occasionally there was a cheer. "'The black top hats of the rat-catchers moved through the crowd. "'Seen from above, they were sinister black blobs "'among the grey and brown caps. "'One of the rat-catchers emptied a sack into the pit, "'and the watchers saw the dark shapes of rats scurrying in a panic "'as they tried to find in that circle a corner to hide in. "'The crowd opened slightly, "'and a man walked to the edge of the pit, holding a terrier. "'There was some more shouting, a ripple of laughter, and the dog was dropped in with the rats. The changelings stared down at the circle of death and the cheering humans. After a minute or two, Nourishing tore her gaze away. When she looked around, she caught the expression on Dark Tan's face. Maybe it wasn't just the lamplight made his eyes look full of fire. She saw him look along the stable to the big doors at the far end. They had been barred shut. Then his head turned to the hay and straw piled up in the loft, and in the cribs and the mangers below. Dark Tan pulled a length of wood out of one of his belts. Nourishing smelled the sulphur in the red blob on the end. It was a match. Dark Tan turned and saw her looking at him. He nodded towards the piles of hay in the loft. ''My plan might not work,'' he said. ''If it doesn't, you'll be in charge of the other plan.'' ''Me?'' said Nourishing. ''You. Because I won't be... around.'' said Dark Tan. He held out the match. You know what to do, he said, nodding to the nearest rack of hay. Nourishing swallowed. Yes. Yes, I think so. Er, when? When the time comes. You'll know when, said Dark Tan, and looked back down at the massacre. One way or the other, I want them to remember tonight, he said quietly. They'll remember what they did, and they'll remember what we did, for as long as they... Live. Ham and pork lay in his sack. He could smell the other rats nearby, and the dogs, and the blood. Especially the blood. He could hear his own thoughts, but they were like a little chirp of insects against the thunderstorm of his senses. Bits of memory danced in front of his eyes. Cages. Panic. The white rat. Ham and pork. That was his own name. Odd. Never had names. Just used to smell other rats. Darkness. Darkness inside, behind the eyes. That bit was ham and pork. Everything outside was everything else. Ham and pork. Me. Leader. The red-hot rage still boiled inside him, but now it had a kind of shape, like the shape a canyon gives to a river in flood, narrowing it, forcing it to flow faster, giving it direction. Now he could hear voices. "'Just slip him in. No one will notice.' "'Okay, I'll shake it up a bit first to get him angry.' The sack was jerked around. It didn't make ham and pork any more angry than he was already. There wasn't any room for more anger. The sack swung as it was carried. The roar of humans grew louder. The smells grew stronger. There was a moment of silence. The sack was upturned, and ham and pork slid out into a roar of noise and a pile of struggling rats.' He snapped and clawed his way to the top as the rats scattered and saw a growling dog being lowered into the pit. It snatched up a rat, shook it vigorously and sent the limp body flying. The rats stampeded. Idiots! screamed Hammond Pork. ''Work together! You could strip this flea bag to the bone!'' The crowd stopped shouting. The dog stopped and stared down its nose at Hammond Pork. It was trying to think. ''The rat had spoken!'' Only humans spoke. And it didn't smell right. Rats usually stank of panic. This one didn't. The silence rang like a bell. Then Jacko grabbed the rat, shook him not too hard, and tossed him down. He decided to do a sort of test. Rats shouldn't be able to talk like humans, but this rat looked like a rat, and killing rats was okay. But talk like a human, and biting humans got you a serious thrashing. It had to find out for sure. If he got a wallop, This rat was a human. Hammond Pork rolled and managed to get upright, but there was a deep tooth wound in his side. The other rats were still in a boiling huddle as far away from the dog as possible, every rat trying to be the one on the bottom. Hammond Pork spat blood. All right, then, he snarled, advancing on the puzzled dog. Now you'll find out how a real rat dies. Hammond Pork? He looked up. String... "'uncoiled behind sardines as he fell through the smoky air "'towards the frantic circle. "'He was right above Ham and Pork, "'getting bigger and bigger and slower and slower. "'He came to a stop between the dog and the rat. "'For a moment he hung there. "'He raised his hat politely and said, "'Good evening.' "'Then he wrapped all four legs round Ham and Pork. "'And now the rope of elastic bands, "'stretched to twanging point, finally sprang back. "'Too late, too late!' Jacko snapped at the empty air." The rats were accelerated upwards, out of the pit, and stopped, bouncing in midair just out of reach. The dog was still looking up when Dark Tan leapt off the other side of the beam. As the crowd stared in astonishment, he plummeted down towards the terrier. Jacko's eyes narrowed. Rats disappearing into the air was one thing, but rats dropping right towards his mouth was something else. It was rat on a plate. It was rat on a stick. Dark Tan looked back as he fell. Up above, Nourishing was doing some frantic knotting and biting. Now Dark Tan was on the other end of Sardine's string. Sardines had explained things very carefully. Dark Tan's weight alone wasn't heavy enough to pull the weight of two other rats back up to the beam. So, when Dark Tan saw Sardines and his struggling passenger had disappeared safely into the gloom of the roof, he let go of the big old candle lamp he'd been holding for the extra weight and bit through the rope. The lamp landed heavily on Jacko, and Dark Tan landed on the lamp, rolling down onto the floor. The crowd was silent. They'd been silent since Hammond Pork had been propelled out of the pit. Around the top of the wall, which, yes, was far too high for a rat to jump, Dark Tan saw faces. They were mostly red. The mouths were mostly open. The silence was the silence of big red faces, drawing breath, ready to start shouting at any moment. Around Dark Tan the surviving rats were scrambling aimlessly for a foothold on the wall. Fools, he thought. Four or five of you together could make any dog wish you'd never been born. But you scrabble and duck and you get picked off one at a time. The slightly stunned Jacko blinked and stared down at Dark Tan, a growl rising in his throat. Right, you kirk, said Dark Tan, loud enough for the watchers to hear. "'Now I'm going to show you how a rat can live,' he attacked. Jacko was not a bad dog, according to the way of dogs. He was a terrier and liked killing rats in any case, and killing lots of rats in the pit meant that he got well-fed and called a good boy and wasn't kicked very often. Some rats did fight back, and that wasn't much of a problem, because they were smaller than Jacko and he had a lot more teeth. Jacko wasn't that smart. But he was a lot smarter than a rat, and, in any case, his nose and mouth did most of the thinking. And he was surprised, therefore, when his jaws snapped shut on this new rat, and it wasn't there. Dark Tan didn't run like a rat should. He ducked like a fighter. He nipped Jacko under the chin and vanished. Jacko spun round. The rat still wasn't there. Jacko had spent his show business career biting rats that tried to run away. Rats that stayed really close were unfair, there was a roar from the watchers. Someone shouted, "'Ten dollars on the rat!' And someone else punched him in the ear. Another man started to climb into the pit. Someone smashed a beer bottle on that man's head. Dancing back and forth under the spinning, yapping Jacko, Dark Tan waited for his moment and saw it and lunged and bit hard. Jacko's eyes crossed. A piece of Jacko that was very private and of interest only to Jacko and any lady dogs he might happen to meet, was suddenly a little ball of pain. He yelped. He snapped at the air. And then, in the uproar, he tried to climb out of the pit, out of the way of the pain. His claws scraped desperately as he reared up against the greasy, smooth planking. Dark Tan jumped onto his tail, ran up his back, scampered to the tip of Jacko's nose, and leapt over the wall. He landed among legs. Men tried to stamp on him, but that meant other men would have to give them room. By the time they'd elbowed one another out of the way and stamped heavily on one another's boots, Dark Tan was gone. But there were other dogs. They were half mad with excitement in any case, and now they pulled away from ropes and chains and set off after a running rat. They knew about chasing rats. Dark Tan knew about running. He sped across the floor like a comet, with a tail of snarling, barking dogs, headed for the shadows... Spied a hole in the planking and dived through into the nice, safe darkness. Click! went the trap. Chapter 9 Farmer Fred opened his door and saw all the animals of Fairy Bottom waiting for him. We can't find Mr. Bunsey or Ratty Rupert, they cried. From Mr. Bunsey Has an Adventure. At last, said Melissa. "'shaking the ropes off. "'Somehow I thought rats would gnaw quicker.' "'They used a knife,' said Keith, "'and you could say thank you, couldn't you?' "'Yes, yes, tell them I'm very grateful,' said Melissa, "'pushing herself upright. "'Tell them yourself.' "'I'm sorry. "'I find it so embarrassing to talk to rats.' "'I suppose that's understandable,' said Keith, "'if you've been brought up to hate them because they—' "'Oh, it's not that,' said Melissa. "'walking over to the door and looking at the keyhole. "'It's just that it's so childish, "'so tinkly-winkly, "'so Mr Bunsey.' "'Mr Bunsey!' squeaked Peaches, "'and it really was a squeak, "'a word that came out as a sort of little shriek. "'What about, Mr Bunsey?' said Keith. Melissa reached into her pocket "'and pulled out her packet of bent hairpins. "'Oh, some book some silly woman wrote,' she said. "'Poking at the lock. Stupid stuff for ickle kids. "'There's a rat, and a rabbit, and a snake, and a hen, and an owl, "'and they all go round wearing clothes, and talking to humans, "'and everyone's so nice and cosy it makes you absolutely sick. "'Do you know my father kept them all from when he was a kid? "'Mr. Bunsey has an adventure? Mr. Bunsey's busy day? "'Ratty Rupert sees it through?' "'He read them all to me when I was small, "'and there's not an interesting murder in any of them.' "'I think you'd better stop,' said Keith. "'He didn't dare look down at the rats. "'There's no subtexts, no social commentary,' Melissa went on, still fiddling. "'The most interesting things that happens at all "'is when Doris the duck loses a shoe. "'A duck losing a shoe, right? "'And it turns up under the bed "'after they've spent the entire story looking for it.' "'Do you call that narrative tension? "'Because I don't. "'If people are going to make up stupid stories "'about animals pretending to be human, "'at least there could be a bit of interesting violence.' "'Oh, boy,' said Morris, from behind the grating. "'This time Keith did look down. "'Peaches and dangerous beans had gone. "'You know, I never had the heart to tell them,' he said, "'not to anyone in particular. "'They thought it was all true.' "'In the land of Furry Bottom, possibly,' said Melissa, "'and stood up as the lock gave a final click. "'But not here. "'Can you imagine someone actually invented that name and didn't laugh? "'Let's go.' "'You upset them,' said Keith. "'Look, shall we get out of here before the rat-catchers come back?' said Melissa. "'The thing about this girl,' Morris thought, "'was that she was no good at all at listening to the way people spoke.' "'She wasn't much good at listening, if it came to that.' "'No,' said Keith. "'No what?' "'No, I'm not coming with you,' said Keith. "'There's something bad going on here, "'much worse than stupid men stealing food.' "'Morris watched them argue again. "'Humans, eh? "'Think they're lords of creation, not like us cats. "'We know we are. "'Ever see a cat feed a human? "'Case proven.' "'How the humans shout!' hissed a tiny voice in his head. Is that my conscience? Morris thought. His own thoughts said, What me? No. But I feel a lot better now you told him about additives. Morris shifted uneasily from paw to paw. Well, then, he whispered, looking at his stomach, is that you additives? He'd been worried about that. Suppose the the dream of additives wandered around inside him. "'That sort of thing could seriously interfere with a cat's napping time. "'It really could.' "'No,' said the voice, like the sound of wind in distant trees. "'It is I. "'I am Spider.' "'Oh, you're a spider,' whispered Thought Morris. "'I could take on a spider with three paws tied behind my back.'
0: "'Not a spider!' "'Spider!'
1: "'The word actually hurt. It hadn't before.
0: "'Now
1: I'm in your head, cat. "'Cats! Cats! Bad as dogs worse than rats! "'I'm in your head, and I will never go away!' "'Morris's paw jerked. "'I'll be in your dreams!' "'Look, I'm just passing through,' Morris whispered desperately. "'I'm not looking for trouble. I'm unreliable. I'm a cat. "'I wouldn't trust me, and I am me. "'Just let me get into the nice, fresh air, "'and I'll be right out your hair or legs or furry bits or whatever.' "'You don't want to run away?'
0: "'That's
1: right,' thought Morris. "'I don't want to run—' "'Hold on. I do want to run away.' I'm a cat, he muttered. No rat is going to control me. You've tried. Yes, came the voice of Spider. But then you were strong. Now your little mind runs in circles and wants someone else to do the thinking for it. I can think for you. I can think for everyone. I will always be with you. The voice faded away. Right, thought Morris. Time to say farewell, then, bad blints. The party is over. The rats have got lots of other rats, and even these two humans have got one another. But I've just got me, and I'd like to get me somewhere where strange voices don't talk to me. Excuse me, he said, raising his voice. Are you going, or what? The two humans turned to look at the grating. What? said Keith. ''I'd prefer going,'' said Morris. ''Pull this grating out, will you? ''It's rusted right through. It shouldn't be a problem. Good lad. ''And then we can make a run for it.'' ''They've called in a rat piper, Morris,'' said Keith. ''And the clan is all over the place. He'll be here in the morning. ''A real rat piper, Morris, not a fake one like me. ''They have magical pipes, you know. Do you want that to happen to our rats?'' His new conscience gave Morris a good kicking. ''Well, not exactly C. he said reluctantly. ''Not as such, no.'' ''Right. So we're not going to run away,'' said Keith. ''Oh, and what are we going to do then?'' said Melissa. ''We're going to talk to the rat-catchers when they come back,'' said Keith. He had a thoughtful look. "Aunt, what makes you think they'll want to talk to us?'' ''Because if they don't talk to us,'' said Keith... They're going to die. It was twenty minutes later that the Ratcatchers arrived. The door was unlocked, thrown back, and then slammed shut. Ratcatcher 2 bolted it as well. "'You know where you said it was going to be such a good evening?' he said, leaning against it and panting. "'Tell me about it again, because I think I missed that part.' "'Shut up,' said Ratcatcher 1. "'Someone punched me in the eye.' "'Shut up.' "'And I think I lost my wallet.' That's twenty dollars I won't see again in a hurry. Shut up. And I wasn't able to pick up any of the surviving rats from the last fight. Shut up. And we left the dogs behind, too. We could have stopped to untie them. Someone will pinch them. Shut up. Do rats often whiz through the air like that? Or is that the kind of thing you only get to hear about when you are a experienced rat catcher? Did I say shut up? Yes. Shut up. All right, we'll leave right now. We'll take the money and nick a boat down at the jetty. Okay, we'll leave the stuff we haven't sold and just go, just like that. Johnny No Hands and his lads are coming up river tomorrow night to pick up the next load, and we'll go, Bill. I can smell things going bad, just like that. He owes us two hundred dol. Yes. "'Just like that. Time to move on. "'The jig is up, the bird has floored, and the cat is out of the bag. "'The—' "'Did you say that?' "'Say what?' "'Did you just say, I wish I was?' "'Me? No.' "'The rat-catcher looked around the shed. There was no one else there. "'All right, then,' he said. "'It's been a long night. Look, when things start to go bad, "'then it's time to go away. Nothing fancy.' "'We just go, right? "'I don't want to be here when people come looking for us. "'And I don't want to meet any of them rat-pipers. "'They are sharp men. "'They pry around, and they cost a lot of money. "'People are going to ask questions, "'and the only question I want them to ask is, "'where did the rat-catchers go? "'Understand? "'It's a good man who knows when to quit. "'What's in the kitty? "'What did you say?' "'What? "'Me? "'Nothing. "'Cup of tea?' "'You always feel better after a cup of tea.' "'Didn't you say, Kitty, yourself?' "'Ratcatcher One demanded. "'I just asked if you wanted a cup of tea. "'Honest, are you all right?' "'Ratcatcher One stared at his friend, "'as if trying to see a lie in his face. "'Then he said, "'Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Three sugars, then.' "'That's right,' said Ratcatcher Two, spooning it in. "'Keep up your strength. "'You have to look after yourself.' Ratcatcher one, took the mug, sipped the tea, and stared at the swirling surface. "'How did we get into this?' he said. "'I mean, all this, you know. Sometimes I wake up in the night and I think it's stupid, this. And then I come to work and it all seems, well, sensible. I mean, stealing stuff and blaming it on the rats, yes, and breeding big tough rats for the rat pits, and bringing back the ones that survive so we can breed even bigger rats, yes.' "'But, I don't know, I didn't used to be the kind of bloke that ties up kids.' "'We've made a big wad of cash, though.' "'Yeah,' Ratcatcher One swirled the tea in his mug and took another drink. There's that, I suppose?' "'Is this a new tea?' "'No, it's just Lord Green, like normal.' "'Tastes a bit different.' Ratcatcher One drained the mug and put it on the bench. "'Okay, let's get the—' "'That's about enough,' said a voice overhead.' "'Now stand still and listen to me. "'If you run away, you'll die. "'If you talk too much, you'll die. "'If you wait too long, you'll die. "'If you think you're smart, you'll die. "'Any questions?' "'A few wisps of dust drifted down from the rafters. "'The rat catchers looked up and saw a cat face peering down. "'It's that kid's damn mog!' "'said Ratcatcher One. "'I told you, it was looking at me in a funny way.' "'If I was you, I wouldn't look at me,' said Morris, conversationally. "'I'd look at the rat poison.' "'Ratcatcher Two turned to look at the bench. "'A bag was missing. "'Here, who stole the poison?' he said. "'Oh,' said Ratcatcher One, who was a much faster thinker. "'Steal it?' "'said the cat on high. "'We don't steal. "'That's thieving. "'We just put it somewhere else.' "'Oh,' said Ratcatcher One, "'sitting down suddenly. "'That's dangerous stuff,' said Ratcatcher Two, "'looking for something to throw. "'You had no business touching it. "'You tell me where it is right now.' "'There was a thump "'as the trap-door in the floor slammed back. "'Keith stuck his head up "'and then came up the ladder "'while the Ratcatchers watched in amazement.' He was holding a crumpled paper bag. Oh dear, said Ratcatcher One. What have you done with the poison? Ratcatcher Two demanded. Well, said Keith, now that you mention it, I think I put most of it in the sugar. Dark Tan woke up. His back was on fire and he couldn't breathe. He could feel the weight of the trap's jaw pressing down on him and the dreadful bite of the steel teeth on his belly. I shouldn't be alive, he thought. I wish I wasn't. He tried to push himself upwards, which made it worse. The pain came back a little stronger as he sagged down again. Caught, like a rat in a trap, he thought. I wonder what type it is. Dark Tan? The voice was a little way off. Dark Tan tried to speak, but every tiny movement pushed him further into the teeth below him. Dark Tan? Dark Tan managed a faint squeak. Words hurt too much. Feet scrabbled forwards in the dry darkness. Dark Tan it smelled like nourishing dark tan managed trying to turn his head you're caught in a trap that was too much for dark tan even if every word was agony oh really he said i'll go and fetch s- sardines shall i stammered nourishing dark tan could smell the rat's panic begin and there wasn't time for panic no tell tell me he panted what Kind of trap.
0: Uh, uh, uh,
1: said Nourishing. Dark Tan took a deep, fiery breath. Think, you miserable whittler. Uh, uh, it's all rusty. Er, uh, rust everywhere. Looks like, er, uh, could be, er, breakback. There was a scratching noise behind Dark Tan. Yes, I, I gnawed the rust off. It says Nugent Brothers Breakback Mark One, sir. Dark Tan tried to think as the constant, dreadful pressure squeezed him further. Mark 1. Ancient. Something out of the dawn of time. The oldest he'd ever seen was an improved breakback Mark 7. And all he had to help him was nourishing. A complete drult with four left feet. Can you see how... He began, but there were purple lights in front of his eyes now. A great tunnel of purple lights. He tried again as he felt himself drift off towards the lights. Can... "'You see how the spring... "'It's all rusted, sir,' came the panicking voice. "'It looks like it's a non-return action, "'like on the Jenkins and Jenkins big snapper, sir. "'But it hasn't got the hook on the end. Uh, "'What does this bit do, sir? Sir? Sir?' dark Tan felt the pain go away. "'So this is how it happens,' he thought dreamily. "'Too late now. She'll panic and she'll run. "'That's what we do. "'When we're in trouble, we bolt for the first hole. "'Even me.' "'But it doesn't matter. It is just like a dream, after all. "'Nothing to worry about. Quite nice, really. "'Perhaps there really is a big rat deep under the ground. "'That'd be nice.' "'He drifted happily in the warm silence. "'There were bad things happening, but they were a long way off, "'and they didn't matter any more. "'He thought he heard a sound behind him, "'like rat claws moving across a stone floor.' "'Perhaps it's nourishing running away,' part of him thought. "'But another part thought, "'perhaps it is the bone rat.' "'The idea didn't frighten him. "'Nothing could frighten him here. "'Anything bad that could happen already had. "'He felt that if he turned his head he'd see something, "'but it was easier just to float in this big, warm space. "'The purple light was darkening now to a deep blue "'and in the centre of the blue a circle of black.' "'It looked like a rat's tunnel. "'If the youngsters were right "'and there was a bone rat,' he thought, "'then that means maybe there was also the big rat. "'And that's where he lives,' thought Dark Tan. "'That's the tunnel of the big rat. "'How simple it all is. "'A shining white dot appeared in the centre of the tunnel "'and got bigger quickly. "'And here he comes,' thought Dark Tan. "'He must know a lot, the big rat. "'I wonder what he's going to tell me.' "'The light grew bigger.' and did indeed begin to look like a rat. How strange, thought Dark Tan, as the blue light faded into the black, to find it's all true. Off we go then, into the tun... There was noise, it filled the world, and the terrible, terrible pain was back. "'and the big rat shouted in the voice of nourishing. I-, "'I gnawed through the spring, sir.
0: "'I gnawed through the spring. "'It was old and weak, sir. "'Probably why you weren't cut in half, sir. "'Can you hear me, sir? "'Dark tan? "'Sir? "'I gnawed right through the spring, sir. "'Are you still dead, sir? "'Sir?'
1: Rat catcher One leapt out of his chair, "'his hands bunching into fists. "'At least it started out as a leap. "'About halfway it turned into a stagger. "'He sat down heavily, clutching at his stomach. "'Oh, no!' Oh, no, I knew that tea tasted funny, he muttered. Ratcatcher 2 had gone a pale green. You nasty little, he began. And don't even think of attacking us, said Melissa. Otherwise, you'll never walk out of here. And we might get hurt and forget where we left the antidote. You haven't got time to attack us. Ratcatcher 1 tried standing up again, but his legs didn't want to play. What poisoned was it? he muttered. "'By the smell of it, it's the one the rats call number three, said Keith. "'It was in the bag labelled Kill-A-Lot. "'The rats call it number three? said Ratcatcher Two. "'They know a lot about poison,' said Keith. "'And they told you about this antidote, yeah?' said Ratcatcher Two. Ratcatcher One glared at him. "'We heard them talk, Bill. In the pit, remember?' He looked back at Keith and shook his head. "'Nah,' he said. "'You don't look like the kind of kid that'd poison a man to his face.' "'How about me?' said malicia leaning forward. "'She would! She would!' said Ratcatcher 2, clutching at his colleague's arm. "'She's reared, that one. Everyone says so!' He clutched his stomach again and leaned forward, groaning. "'You said something about an antidote,' said Ratcatcher 1. "'But there's no antidote to kill a lot.' "'And I told you there is,' said Keith. "'The rats found one.' Ratcatcher Two fell on his knees. Please, young sir, have mercy. If not for me, please think of my dear wife and my four lovely children who'll be without their daddy. You're not married, said Milicia. You don't have any children. I might want some one day. What happened to that rat you took away? said Keith. Done also. A rat in a hat came down out of the roof and grabbed it and flew away, Ratcatcher Two babbled. And then another big rat. "'come down into the pit, shouted at everyone, "'bit Jacko on the oh, oh, on the unutterables, "'and jumped right out of the pit and did a runner.' "'Sounds like your rats are all right,' said Melissa to Keith. "'I haven't finished,' said Keith. "'You stole from everyone and blamed it on the rats, didn't you?' "'Yes, that's it. Yes, we did. We did.' "'You killed the rats,' said Morris quietly. "'Ratcatcher One's head turned sharply there was an edge to that voice that he recognised. He'd heard it at the pit. You got them there sometimes, high rolling types with fancy waistcoats, who travel through the mountains making a living by betting and sometimes making a killing by knives. They had a look to their eye and a tone to their voice. They were known as killing gentlemen. You didn't cross a killing gentleman. Ah, yes, yes, that's right, we did, babbled Ratcatcher 2. Just go carefully there, Bill, said Ratcatcher 1, still eyeing Keith. Why did you do it? said Keith. Ratcatcher, too, looked from his boss to Melissa and then to Keith, as if trying to decide who frightened him the most. Well, Ron said the rats ate the stuff anyway, he said. So he said, if we got rid of all the rats and pinched the stuff ourselves, well, it wouldn't exactly be like stealing, would it? More like rearranging stuff. There's a bloke Ron knows who comes up in a sailing barge in the middle of the night and pays us "'That is a diabolical lie!' snapped Ratcatcher One, "'and then he looked as if he was going to be sick. "'But you caught rats alive and crammed them into cages without food,' Keith went on. "'They live on rat, those rats. Why did you do that?' "'Ratcatcher One clutched at his stomach. "'I can feel things happening,' he said. "'That's just your imagination,' snapped Keith. "'It is?' "'Yes. Don't you know anything about the poisons you use?' your stomach won't start to melt for at least 20 minutes. Wow, said Melissa, seriously impressed. And after that, said Keith, if you blow your nose, your brain will... Well, let's just say you'll need a really big handkerchief. This is great, said Melissa, rummaging in her bag. I'm going to take notes. And then, if you... Well, just don't go to the lavatory, that's all. Don't ask why. Just don't. "'It'll all be over in an hour, except for the oozing.' Melissa was scribbling fast. "'Vil zegol rani?' she said. "'Very,' said Keith. "'This is inhuman!' screeched Ratcatcher 2. "'No, it's very human,' said Keith. "'It's extremely human. "'There isn't a beast in the world that'd do it to another living thing, "'but your poisons do it to rats every day. "'Now tell me about the rats in the cages.' Sweat was pouring down the deputy rat catcher's face. He looked as if he too were caught in a trap. See, rat catchers have always caught rats alive for the rat pits. He moaned, "It's a perk. Nothing wrong with it. Always done it. So we had to keep up a supply. So we bred them. Had to. No harm in feeding them dead rats in the rat pits. Everyone knows rats eat rats. If you leave out the green wobbly bit. And then, oh, there's a then," said Keith calmly. "'Ron said if we bred rats from the rats that survived the pit, "'you know, the ones that dodged the dogs, "'well, we'd end up with bigger, better rats, see?' "'That's scientific, that is,' said Ratcatcher One. What would be the point of that?' said Melissa. "'Well, Miss, we—Ron said, we thought—I thought—we thought thought that—well, it's not exactly cheating to put really tough rats in among the others, see, especially if the dog that's going in is a bit borderline. Where's the harm in that? Give us an edge, see, when it comes to betting. I uh, thought—he thought—you seem a bit confused about whose idea it was,' said Keith. "'His,' said the rat-catchers together. "'Mine!' said a voice in Morris's head. He almost fell off his perch. "'What does not kill us makes us strong,' said the voice of Spider, "'the strongest breed!' "'You mean,' said Melissa, "'if they didn't have rat-catchers here, they'd have fewer rats?' She paused, head on one side. "'No, that's not right. It doesn't feel right. There's something else, something you haven't told us. Those rats in those cages are mad.' "'Insane!' "'I'd be too,' Morris thought, "'with this horrible voice in my head every hour of the day. "'I'm going to throw up,' said Ratcatcher One. "'I am. I'm going to.' "'Don't,' said Keith, watching Ratcatcher Two. "'You won't like it.' "'Well, Mr. Deputy Ratcatcher?' "'Ask them what's in the other cellar,' said Morris. "'He said it fast. "'He could feel the voice of Spider try to stop his mouth moving "'even as the sentence came out.' ''What is in the other cellar, then?'' said Keith. ''Oh, just more stuff, old cages, stuff like that,'' said Ratcatcher too. ''What else?'' said Morris. ''Only the... only the... that's where...'' The Ratcatcher's mouth opened and shut, his eyes bulged. ''Can't say,'' he said. Uh, ''There's nothing, yes, that's it. There's nothing in there, just the old cages. Oh, and plague. Don't go in there, cos there's plague.'' That's why you shouldn't go in there, see? Because of the plague. He's lying, said Melicia. No antidote for him. I had to do it, Ratcatcher Two moaned. You've got to do one to join the guild. That's a guild secret, Ratcatcher One snapped at him. We don't give away guild secrets. He stopped and clutched at his rumbling stomach. What was it you had to do? Said Keith. Make a rat king, Ratcatcher Two burst out. ''A rat king?'' said Keith sharply. ''What's a rat king?'' ''I... I... I...'' the man stuttered. ''Stop it! I... I... I don't want to...'' Tears ran down his face. "We, I made a rat king! Stop it! Stop it! Stop it! A rat king!'' ''And it's still alive?'' said Melissa. Keith turned to her in amazement. ''You know about these things?'' he said. ''Of course!'' "'There's lots of stories about them. "'Rat kings are deadly evil. "'They—' "'Antidote! "'Antidote, please!' moaned the rat-catcher, too. "'My stomach feels like there's rats running round in it.' "'You made a rat king,' said Melissa. "'Oh, dear! "'Well, we left the antidote in that little cellar you locked us up in. "'I should hurry if I was you.' "'Both of the men staggered to their feet.' "'Rat-catcher one fell through the trapdoor, "'The other man landed on him, swearing, moaning, "'and, it had to be said, farting enormously. "'They made their way to the cellar. "'Dangerous Bean's candle was still alight. "'Beside it was a fat twist of paper. "'The door was slammed behind the men. "'There was the sound of a piece of wood being wedged under it. "'Oh, uh, we forgot to mention that there's only enough antidote for one person,' "'said Keith's voice, muffled through the wood but I'm sure you can sort it out in a humane sort of way. Dark Tan tried to get his breath back, but he thought he'd never get it at all, even if he breathed in for a year. There was a ring of pain all around his back and chest. It's amazing, said Nourishing. You were dead in the trap and now you're alive. Nourishing, said Dark Tan, carefully. Yes, sir. I'm very grateful, said Dark Tan, still wheezing. ''But don't get silly. The spring was stretched and weak, and the teeth were rusted and blunt, that's all.''
0: ''But there's teeth marks all
1: round you. No one's ever come out of a trap before, except the Mr. Squeakies, and they were made of rubber.'' Dark Tan licked his stomach. Nourishing had been right. He looked perforated. ''I was just lucky,'' he said. ''No rat has ever come alive out of a trap,'' Nourishing repeated. ''Did you see the big rat?'' Thou art, The big rat. Oh, that, said Dark Tan. He was going to add, no, I don't go in for that nonsense, but stopped. He could remember the light, and then the darkness ahead of him. It hadn't seemed bad. He'd almost felt sorry that nourishing had got him out. And the trap. All the pain had been a long way off, and there had been no more hard decisions. He settled for saying, is ham and pork all right? Sort of. I mean... We can't see any wounds that won't heal. He's had worse. But, well, he was pretty old. Nearly three years. Was, said Dark Tan. Is pretty old, I mean, sir. Sardine sent me to find you because we'll need you to help us get him back. But, she gave Dark Tan a doubtful look. It's all right. I'm sure it looks nastier than it is, said Dark Tan, wincing. Let's get up there, shall we? An old building full of handholds for a rat. No one noticed the two of them as they climbed up from manger to saddle harness to hay rack. Besides, no one was looking for them. Some of the other rats had taken the jacko route to freedom, and the dogs were going mad, searching for them and fighting with one another. So were the men. Dark Tan knew a little bit about beer, since he had gone about his business under pubs and breweries, and the rats had often wondered why humans sometimes liked to switch their brains off. To the rats, living in the centre of a web of sound and light and smells, it made no sense at all. To Dark Tan, now, it didn't sound quite so bad. The idea that for a while you could forget things and not have a head buzzing with troublesome thoughts, well, that seemed quite attractive. He couldn't remember a lot about life before he'd been changed, but he was certain that it hadn't seemed so complicated. Oh, bad things had happened, because life on the tip had been pretty hard. But when they were over, they were over, and tomorrow was a new day. Rats didn't think about tomorrow, There was just a faint sensation that more things would happen. It wasn't thinking. And there was no good and bad and right and wrong. They were new ideas. Ideas, that was their world now. Big questions and big answers about life and how you had to live it and what you were for. New ideas spilled into Dark Tan's weary head. And among the ideas, in the middle of his head he saw the little figure of dangerous Beans. Dark Tan had never talked much to the little white rat, or the little female that scurried around after him and drew pictures of the things he'd been thinking about. Dark Tan liked people who were practical. But now, he thought, he's a trap hunter, just like me. He goes ahead of us and finds the dangerous ideas and thinks about them and traps them in words and makes them safe, and then he shows us the way through. We need him... We need him now, otherwise we're all running around like rats in a barrel. Much later on, when Nourishing was old and grey around the muzzle and smelled a bit strange, she dictated the story of the climb and how she heard Dark Tan muttering to himself. The Dark Tan that she'd pulled out of the trap, she said, was a different rat. It was as though his thoughts had slowed down but got bigger. The strangest bit, she said was when they reached the beam. Dark Tan made sure that ham and pork was all right, and then picked up the match he'd shown to Nourishing. "'He struck it on an old bit of iron,' said Nourishing, and then he walked out along the beam with it flaring, and down below I could see all the crowd and the hay racks and the straw all over the place, and the people milling around just like, ha, just like rats. And I thought, if you drop that, mister, the place will fill with smoke in a few seconds,' and they've locked the doors, and by the time they realise it, they'll be caught like, (laughs) yeah, like rats in a barrel, and we'll be away along the gutters. But he just stood there, looking down, until the match went out. Then he put it down, and helped us with ham and pork, and never said a word about it. I asked him about it later on, after all the stuff with the piper and everything, and he said, yes, rats in a barrel. And that's all he said about it. ''What was it you really put in the sugar?'' said Keith, as he led the way back to the secret trapdoor. ''Cascara,'' said Melicia, ''That's not a poison, is it?'' ''No, it's a laxative.'' ''What's that?'' ''It makes you... go.'' ''Go where?'' ''Not where, stupid. You just... go. I don't particularly want to draw you a picture.'' ''Oh, you mean go?'' That's all right. And you just happened to have it on you? Yes, of course. It was in the big medicine bag. You mean you take something like that out just for something like this? Of course. It could easily be necessary. How? said Keith, climbing the ladder. Well, supposing we were kidnapped. Suppose we ended out right down near the sea. Supposing we were captured by pirates. "'Pirates have a very monotonous diet, "'which might be why they're so angry all the time. "'Or supposing we escaped and swam ashore "'and ended up on an island where there's nothing but coconuts. "'They have a very binding effect.' "'Yes, but... but... anything can happen. "'If you think like that, "'you'd end up taking just about everything in case of anything.' "'That's why it's such a big bag,' said Melissa calmly. "'pulling herself through the trap-door and dusting herself off. "'Keith sighed. "'How much did you give them?' "'Lots. "'But they should be all right if they don't take too much of the antidote.' "'What did you give them for the antidote?' "'Keskara.' Malicia, you are not a nice person.' "'Really? "'You have wanted to poison them with real poison. "'And you were getting very imaginative, "'all that stuff about their stomachs melting.' Yes, but rats are my friends. Some of the poisons really do that. And sort of making the antidote more of the poison. It's not a poison, it's a medicine. They'll feel lovely and clean afterwards. All right, all right. But giving it to them as the antidote as well, that's a bit, a bit clever. Narratively satisfying, said Melissa. I suppose so. Melissa looked around. "'Where's your cat? I thought he was following us.' "'Sometimes he just wanders off, and he's not my cat.' "'Yes, you're his boy. "'But a young man with a smart cat can go a long way, you know.' "'How?' "'There was puss in boots, obviously,' said Melicia, "'And, of course, everyone knows about Dick Livingstone "'and his wonderful cat, don't they?' "'I don't,' said Keith. "'It's a very famous story.' "'Sorry?' I haven't been able to read for very long. Really? Well, Dick Livingstone was a penniless boy who became Lord Mayor of Ubergurgle because his cat was so good at catching uh, pigeons. The town was overrun with pigeons, yes, and, in fact, later on he even married a sultan's daughter because his cat cleared all the pigeons out of her father's royal palace. It was rats, really, wasn't it, said Keith glumly. "'I'm sorry, yes.' "'And it was just a story,' said Keith. "'Never mind stories about mares. "'Are they really stories about rat kings?' "'Rats have kings. I've never heard of it. "'How does it work?' "'Not survey, your sink. "'They've been known about for years. "'They really do exist, you know, just like on the sign outside. "'What, the rats with their tails all knotted together? "'How do—' "'There was a loud and persistent knocking on the door.' Some of it sounded as though it was being done with someone's boot. Melissia went over to it and pulled back the bolts. Yes, she said, coldly, as the night air poured in. There was a group of angry men outside. The leader, who looked as though he was the leader only because he happened to be the one in front, took a step back when he saw Melissia's angry stare. Oh, it's you, miss, he said, suddenly embarrassed. Yes, my father's the mayor, you know, said Melissia. Er, yes, we all know. "'Why are you all holding sticks?' said Melissia. "'We want to talk to the rat-catchers,' said the spokesman. He tried to look past her, and she stood aside. "'There's no one in here but us,' she said. "'Unless you think there's a trap door to a maze of underground cellars "'where desperate animals are caged up "'and vast supplies of stolen food are hoarded?' The man gave her another nervous look. "'You and your stories, miss,' he said. "'Has there been some trouble?' said "I "'We think they were a, a bit naughty,' said the man. He blanched under the look she gave him. "'Yes,' she said. "'They cheated us in the rat pit,' said a man behind him, made bold because there was someone else between him and Melissa. "'They must have trained those rats. One of them flew round on the string, and one of them bit my jackal on the, on, on the, on the unmentionables.' "'said someone further back. "'You can't tell me it wasn't trained to do that.' "'I saw one with a hat on this morning,' said Melissa. "'There's been a good deal too many strange rats today,' said another man. "'My mum said she saw one dancing on the kitchen shelves, "'and when my granddad got up and reached for his false teeth, "'he said a rat beat him with them. "'Beat him with his own teeth.' "'What, wearing them?' said Melissa. No, it just snapped them round in the air. Aunt a lady down our street opened her pantry door, and there were rats swimming in the cream bowl. Not just swimming, either. They'd been trained. They were making kind of patterns and diving and waving their legs in the air and stuff. You mean synchronized swimming? said Melissa. Who's telling stories now, eh? Are you sure you don't know where those men are? said the leader suspiciously. People said they headed this way. Melissa rolled her eyes. All right, yes, she said. They got here, and a talking cat helped us to feed some poison, and now they're locked in the cellar. The men looked at her. Yeah, right, said the leader, turning away. Well, if you do see them, tell them we're looking for them, okay? Melissa shut the door. It's terrible not being believed, she said. Keith bolted the door again. Tell me about Rat Kings, he said.
0: End of CD 4